And as some of you know, uh, I am a secondary school maths teacher, and um, I teach maths, obviously. Um, but I do come across a lot of policies and education reforms that is happening uh, in UK, especially. And uh, some of you, I think all of you might know if you're in Facebook that the government is planning to do a lot of things. Uh, I have concerns about certain things. Uh, one of the things that has recently got my attention was marriage. Marriage. You know, why is, why is marriage being taken so lightly in our society? And the recent policy says same-sex can same-sex couples can get married and we can have two daddies for a child two mummies for a child and it's been taught as a normal thing rather than you know teaching children there are people like that that's fine i understand people need to know but it's not stopping there but it's going to a level where they are saying it's okay to have two daddies. It's okay to have two mommies. And other disturbing news I recently heard was couples can actually choose how they want their children. So basically, sperm donors and egg donors, they can just tweak how they want their children. So apparently, doctors can predict how the child is going to turn up. So they can fix the color, they can fix the eye color, they can fix the hair, they can fix a lot of things. And then if they don't like the child, then they eliminate that child and then wait for the next one. So that's what's happening now. And then once the egg is ready, it's placed in the mom. So it's natural, but it's not natural. But that's another story. The thing that got my attention was marriage. Why is everybody fighting that same-sex couples must be married. Why are churches, not all churches, some churches opening up doors and say, we will marry them. Why? Why, why, why is the society so adamant that we should get people married? Now, we'll go deep into that um, in a minute. Now, why, why is it all changing in the Western culture? We call our societies developed countries. East, uh, Western countries are called developed countries. Other countries are not developed. Why are we developed? Because, because we are developed in, in the sense we got everything and other countries are fighting or they are just growing to get this. So, i.e., British people traveled around and they changed the whole world according to them. They brought railways, they brought a lot of good things. They brought education around. They brought uh, really good things. And they brought the gospel as well to the developing countries. And now, what are they shipping across? They're shipping across marriage can be between a man and a man. Now, that is being shipped across to other countries. So people who don't know that people can live together or, you know, man and man can be married are now taught you can be married. It is still marriage. So if a developed country is saying it's marriage, what will a developing country say? Oh, we need to catch up with them. So man and man can marry. Can you see what is happening? A country which used to ship good news is shipping lies under the name of good news. Now that's something that was in my heart, but that's not all about what I want to say. Now, marriage. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 31 to 32. Uh, please, can you turn over to Ephesians 5, verse 31 to 32? This is Paul saying, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Paul didn't understand what, like, it's a mystery for him. But he's talking about the church and the Christ. But 
for me as well when we when i got married to divya i knew everything about marriage i was going to be the perfect husband i was going to be the perfect dad and then i got married and <laughs> that was the end of it um because i was like okay you know how many of you know we don't know anything about fire until you put your hand in it and that's exactly what happened with my marriage you know i was going to be a perfect husband and then i got married and i was like i will train my wife to become the perfect wife <laughs> i'm still learning so then i had children and i was like jonathan i will teach you to become the perfect son um no <laughs> i'm still teaching him um no i'm i'm wrong he taught me to be imperfect he taught me to learn what becoming perfect is jonathan turned around a couple of years ago and said dad are you a hypocrite i said how dare you call me a hypocrite he said you laugh outside but you are not very happy you know you pretend to be happy in front of other people but you're not happy at home I said uh, yeah so isn't that a hypocrite i said <laughs> yes it is um that was an example from our life in the sense we all pretend that i know everything we know everything you know um so when i got saved i am a christian i know everything about the bible <laughs> uh 2 years ago 3 years ago when i went to the bible college i was like what are they going to teach me i know everything i'm still learning and let that be an inspiration to all of you that you know when we know or when we think we know everything we don't know anything it's just a beginning every st- every day we learn something new so just speaking focusing on just a marriage divi and i we are still learning about each other the more we learn about each other our marriage is growing and there was a time when we didn't want to know each other i don't want to know you she didn't want to know me our marriage had no problems and we were living together but our marriage was not fruitful but now we are taking an effort and um what's the right word i'm looking for we are making an effort and an intentional effort to know each other and that has changed our marriage yes there were some explosions there were some firecrackers it 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 happened but that sorted a lot of problems there was no brushing under the carpet but there was sorting out of problems and not because of me or because of divya but we both kind of shifted our focus on each from each other to jesus you know when we get married we all say there is a third person who is in your marriage god is there jesus is there but we usually leave him at the altar and then we start living but then when we brought jesus back in our marriage there was a change there was a huge change now do you know in the bible we say bible is all about jesus bible is all about god but the bible starts and ends in something very important do you know what it ends and finishes with a marriage so if you look at genesis 2 verse 22 and revelation 19:7 you can see genesis 2 was when god as a proud father he presented eve to adam the very first wedding you know that's i think that is what we follow as the father presenting the bride to the bride group bridegroom yes uh, during the wedding ceremony so that's the the very first one genesis 2:22 and in revelation when jesus comes back we are his bride so the bible starts and finishes in a marriage now it is so vital that we understand what marriage is all about now we think marriage is all about okay two people coming together and making babies there is more to it two people living together no there is more to it 
just making generations know there is more to it. And that is why we know the principalities and powers in this world is attacking marriage. Because if you are confused about marriage, then you won't understand what the Bible is about. You will miss the whole point. Now, if the children are brought up saying that, you know, man and man can marry, and the church is standing and saying it's a man and woman who marry, who will come to church? Oh, church is against. Bible is homophobic, apparently. Now, there is a recent case in our UK court where a, a girl, a university student, who stood and said the Bible says homosexuality is a sin, has been, um, she was sacked from her university course, from her apprenticeship, because she said, Bible says homosexuality is a sin. She was called a homophobic and she said she believes in a homophobic religion. Christianity is being classified as a homophobic religion now. So when our children, primary school children are taught homosexuality is okay, why would they come to a homophobic church? Something for us to think about. But again, my point is not to start a revolution, but my point is to actually point towards why marriage is important. Now, okay, we start with our what we know, physical. We learned about marriage from our parents. We learned about marriage from other people, from people around us. We said this is how marriage is done, or we learned from a textbook. Anyway, who learns to cook from a book? Um, sorry, you're British people, but we don't, we don't usually learn from a cookbook. We learn from practice. Anyway, let's, let's, let's focus, let's focus. Sorry, behave, Robin. Um, Right, let's, let's focus on John 15, verse 4 and 5. The book of John. I like John. Um, John is awesome. Um, has anybody taught about a little bit of homework? Has anybody taught about why do we have four gospels? Yeah, we know that it's different, four different perspectives, but there is something more to it. Do you know why there is four gospels? Anybody? Somebody? Nobody? It's from Lion King. Um, no? Okay. Homework. Find out and let me know. I won't give you the answer. What's the fun in it? Um, you find out why there is four gospel. There's more to it. It's not just different perspective. There is something more profound in it. And it's, it's wonderful when you understand it. But the book of John, do you know the book of John was the last gospel to be written? Well, no, you know. Um, who was it written to or who was it written for? It was written for the church, as in the people who already accepted Jesus. John is addressing people, church, which is us. So the book of John is a very good starting point for those people who are not used to reading Bible other than following a Bible plan. If you want to understand the Bible, book of John is a really good start. Rather than Genesis, start with book of John. It's a very good start. I strongly recommend it. But Jesus is saying here, abide in me, I and I in you, as branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We, we have read it. I'm sure most of you have read it several times. But have you really thought about what is Jesus trying to say here? Have you really thought about it? If not, I strongly recommend you to start thinking now. Because Jesus is saying, if we are not in him, we cannot do anything. So the things that we are doing now, are we actually doing because we abide in Jesus? Just You don't have to answer. Just, just think about it. Just think about it. You know, what is Jesus saying? Abide. Abide in him. This is where the concept of marriage comes into play. Only if I know my wife, my marriage can produce anything. And you know, it says in Genesis uh, 3, I think, 
then Adam knew his wife. Then further down it says, then Jacob knew Leah. Then Jacob knew um, Rebecca. Rachel, Rebecca, Rachel, Rachel. You can say I'm a Bible student. Um, so they knew. There's something about knew, knowing someone. It's more intimate. It's not just, hi, how are you? It's much more. It's more intimate. Now, Jesus is talking about that intimacy, that you have to abide in him. Now, we have to really think, are we actually abiding in him? Just, just, just think about it. Are we really abiding in him? There is a litmus test for it. There's a very simple litmus test to know whether you are abiding in him. Are you facing any problems in your day-to-day life because you are a Christian? Or as Andrew Womack says, if you are convicted as a Christian, is there enough evidence to punish you? Is there enough evidence to prove you guilty as a Christian? You know, something for us to think about. Now, how can we abide in Jesus Now, that's what I want to share this morning. John 14, verse 23 to 24, Jesus says, If anybody loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we'll come to him and make our home with him. Again, he's talking about intimacy. All these words are marriage. You know, it's defined in marriage. Knowing one another, the most strongest bond on earth is marriage. Not father and son, not friends. It is marriage. Knowing a husband and a wife, not a man and man, not a woman and woman, but husband and wife. There is something very strong in that. And Jesus is, it's, Jesus is the demonstration of that. There's a reason why we are called the bride and he's the bridegroom. There's a reason for it. And it is this intimate relationship. Nothing can come in between Jesus and us. Just like nothing should come between husband and wife, nothing should come between Jesus and us. Now, He who does not love me does not keep my words. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So whatever Jesus said is God's. So if you listen to God, we are listening. If you listen to Jesus, we are listening to God. It's as simple as that. The word of God, his word cleanses us. It says in John 15, 3, his word heals us. Psalm 107, 20. His word is the truth and life to us. John 6, 63. Now, John 1, Jesus is the word and all things were made through him and for him. So the word of God is very, very important. Now we focus on life. You know, we focus on living the life, don't we? We are like, oh, I have to go for work. I have to do this. I have to do that. So we are focusing so much on living on this earth. We miss the life. We miss the life. You know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, please. You know, the, the Western culture is you work hard, then you retire, and then you enjoy your life. It's a good line Jesus asked, what if, if you die tomorrow? I'm not condemning anybody, but something for you to think about. You know, we, we plan for the future when we even don't know what's going to happen the next minute. You know, that, that, that shouldn't be Christian life. That shouldn't be Christian life. Um, we were singing this morning um, a lot of words about eternity, you know, when we reach the eternity show. Um, even though it's, I'm not disagreeing with anything, but there is a Bible verse where it says, we are living the eternal life. Does anybody know which verse it is? We are living the eternal life. No? Anybody? It's in book of John? No? Wow. Let me. <laughs> I think it's in John 16, 15, I think. 
Anybody with a Bible? John 16, verse 15. Come on, Christian people. Where is the Bible? Somebody help me. <laughs> now, it's not John 15, 16. It's not. I am wrong. Anyway, I'll get there in a minute because I know where it is somewhere. Ah, I know it is. Ah, John 3, not 16. John 3, 15. That's what. Got 15, 3. John 3, 15. We all focus on John 3, 16, but the key verse in John 3, 15. Can somebody read it out loud? Come on, interactive church. Whoever should not perish but have eternal life. So we have the eternal life. We are not going to get eternal life. We have eternal life. Okay? So even if we leave this body, we are continuing to live in eternal life. So what life do we have now? We have the eternal life in us right now. So when we accept Jesus, he is in us. Yes, we are saved. And we are called more than conquerors. We are saved. We are more than conquerors. We have the eternal life, so much power in us. Yet we are focusing on living on this world and retiring in the future. And then maybe we will do something for Jesus, right? Now, how does that work? It shouldn't work like that. We have to focus on Jesus much more than what we are doing now. And the only way around it is reading the Bible, spending more time with him. Now, you might say, okay, I read my Bible. I spend time with Jesus. And then my question is, can we actually see the fruit of that in our life? Are we actually seeing enough fruit in our life? Fruit as in, are we actually bearing any fruit? Can people see Jesus in us? Uh, there, is, there is a lady evangelist, she's not called evangelist, there's the first lady convert, if I may use that word. Very first lady who accepted Jesus in India. Uh, my father-in-law gave me a book and I read it in that. Um, her name is Pantida Ramadevi. I uh, don't know if anybody has heard of her, but she was a Hindu scholar and she was widowed. Then she, she was on search because she knew everything about everything about Hinduism, all the scriptures, everything. But yet she was not satisfied because she thought there is much more than what is written in these scriptures. And her, her life story is amazing. If you get time, please do research. It's in the internet anyway. Pandita Ramadevi, she, she, she changed the lives of Indian women even before William Carey, or, um, even before William Carey could make an impact. Um, there were people in India who believed in Jesus. But this woman was the pub first public person who said, I believe in Jesus, and she was a widow. In India, it's not easy. Even today, it's not easy, let alone in the 1900s. And her, her, her quote is, people must not only hear about the kingdom of God, but must see it in actual operation. I'll repeat that again. People must not only hear about the kingdom of God, but must see it in actual operation. On a small scale, perhaps an imperfect form, but a real demonstration nevertheless. People must see Jesus. Anybody can talk, but if you don't put it in practice, as my son aptly turned around and said, you're a hypocrite. What's the point? I used to work with a person who, who swears and who smokes and who drinks. And when his young children children in primary school, when they come, he, <laughs> I think one of the children swore at another person, just very bad word, and this dad shouts at him, swears at him and says, you don't swear. 
I'm like, pardon? And then he says, ah, oh, I bring my children really well. I don't teach them to effing swear. I don't teach them to essing and everything. All profanity came out of his mouth. And I said, I teach my children good things. And I said, I don't want them to smoke. I don't want to drink. And he had a cigarette in his hand. And his children is watching. Now, that is quite an, uh, you know, from a Gentile point of view, from an unbeliever's point of view, that is like, oh, okay, we are holy people, right? But what do we do? In our marriage, our, is our children seeing fruits in our marriage? Is our children seeing um, dad and mom in love with each other? Are our neighbors seeing us as a family who is holding Jesus Christ? Are we being the light in the darkness, as they were saying? Are we actually being? We talk. I am the light, I am the light, I am the light. The light can talk, but if it doesn't shine, what's the point in the light? So are we actually shining bright or are we talking bright? That's the question. Okay, that's the punchline. It's mine. Um, so, again, I want to go back to the Bible and give you the importance of why we need the Word of God. In Mark chapter 4, there's a very important parable. Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand anything else. It is the parable of the sower. So, Mark chapter 4, it goes from verse 13 to 20. Um, you can read at home, but it's a famous parable where, you know, uh, the sower sows the seed, and where the seed grows, it will bear fruit. Now, in that, towards the end it says, where the seed grows, and if the ground is right, it will start bearing fruit, correct? So, my question is, we all know the Bible, it is in us, but is our heart condition the right, is it right? Is it actually apt for the seed? Are we helping the seed grow? Is the point. We all know. We all know the word of God. We have read it. But is it actually taking root? Is the question. Is it actually taking root? Now, my wife, quite aptly, whenever I come back from Bible college, she says, I look forward to seeing you. Not because she loves me so much, but she says, you are changed whenever you come. And I always ask, was I that bad before that you keep saying every week? It's week after week. She says, oh, you're changed. Like, what was I before? I started doubting myself seriously. Um, but what she is seeing, I could not see. But when you're spending time in the word of God, you're listening, you're just spending time in the people who have seen things, who have heard things, and you are just you're soaked in the word of God. You come out, you are changed. You don't even know you are changed. When I look back, a um, couple of years back, I was, yeah, I was a hypocrite. I, I'm a less of a hypocrite now. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Um, but there is an effortless change in us. So what is the whole point of all this? The whole point is we need to be married to Jesus. Are you really married to Jesus is the point. Are we one with Jesus? We say, I like to be one with the Lord, yes. But are you? Are you really is the question. I wasn't. I was talking, but I really wasn't. Now I have a, I make an intentional choice of spending time with Jesus. Now Jesus said something, well he said a lot of things. He said something more in John 14, 26. For us to have that intimate relationship, for us to bear fruit, we need a helper. In John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you, or if you are not spending time with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to remember anything Jesus said. You can use everything, you can load it in your brain, but if you want to live your life, we need that power of Holy Spirit to flow through us.
So today's apt. I I didn't plan it. I, I don't think Dave planned it either. Today's Pentecostal Sunday, as we heard, and day when everybody was empowered with the Holy Spirit. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. I'm not going to say anything today, but there is a difference. We will have the Holy Spirit, but are we walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? We are, are we flowing in the Holy Spirit? Can people see the Holy Spirit in action in our lives? If not, let today be the day. If we can speak in tongues, that is one thing. I'm not saying that is everything. But if we can speak in tongues, and if we can speak in tongues for a whole day, you are perfect. But can anybody speak in tongues for the whole day? Uh, you know, a few seconds is fine. But when we actually speak in tongues, there are things changing. We are bringing heaven down through that. We are connected with heaven because it's not me speaking. When we are speaking in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit uttering. And the best prayer is when the Holy Spirit prays in us. The best prayer is when the Holy Spirit takes control of us. The best prayer is for being one with Jesus. So let the Holy Spirit control us. Let our thinking be renewed through Holy Spirit. And Paul says in Romans 12 too, renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. Renew your mind. So Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be proved what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the good and acceptable perfect will of God that we are representing, we are made into his image, that we become images of Jesus Christ so people can see Jesus in us. If people can't see Jesus in us, we need to renew our mind. How can we renew our mind? Through spending more time through the Holy Spirit in his word, meditating upon the word of God. Somebody said, when you are squeezed, what comes out of your mouth determines what's inside. When you are squeezed, when your wife annoys you, men, do you use profanity? Then that is what is inside you. But when the wife annoys you, do you say, I love you, my dear? Then that is what is inside you. The other way as well, wives, when the husband annoys you, do you shout, do you scream, do you throw a pot at, pot at him, Indian style? But, you know, what is inside you? When there is pressures, when you're squeezed, what's inside you comes out. So what is inside us? You know, this is what Jesus was saying. When you're when you're perplexed, when you're surrounded with problems, be of good cheer. How can you, if you be of good cheer if you're just focusing on our own five senses? Our own physical limitations. When you are just focusing on our own physical limitations, we can't see Jesus at work. We surrender ourselves completely to Jesus. And he says, in every problem you have, be of good cheer, have overcome it. It'll come through. Just stand with him. Just stand with him. We will come out of the problems. Don't give up. Don't focus on us. Don't focus on you. But focus on Jesus. Just focus on Jesus. So I'll stop in this and John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse uh, 33, it says, These things have spoken that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we will have problems. Jesus never said we won't have problems, but he said it will overcome. Meditate upon Jesus, be married to Jesus. We need to be one with Jesus through his word, through the Holy Spirit. We need to have that understanding. So I encourage you, if you haven't done it, if you're not doing it, let's start, at least start with Book of John. And through the Holy Spirit, we will have that revelation that Jesus loves us so much and he's with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he has overcome the world with all, with, uh, he has overcome all the problems in the world, everything. We just have to be filled with joy. Thank you.
1 John 2, 13 to 14. It says, I am writing to you fathers, because you know whom is from the beginning. I write to you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men, because you are strong. The word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I think there's three things we need for success. Three foundations we need to get right for success as disciples of Jesus. We need to know our identity. We need to know the and we need to we need to know our identity, the reason we live, and our power source. If we get all those things one of those things wrong, we won't succeed. If we get all three right, we can become world changers. My identity is royalty. My assignment is servanthood. My life source is intimacy. My identity is royalty. My assignment is servanthood. My life source is intimacy. My identity as a son of the king is a key missing ingredient for most of us. We do not know who we are. We are adopted, that is chosen by God, but I've lived most of my life as an orphan, thinking I can't do it, thinking I don't have enough, thinking I lack resources. But John said, I write to you because you know the Father. Everything begins with that connection to the Father. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Hallelujah. Your identity. And because we're, the, we're the sons and daughters of the King, we are royalty. My assignment is to serve. Why am I here? I'm here to serve. I get slightly, con, slightly worried about Christianity that focuses on what I get. I hear that a lot. The focus is on the entitlements, the benefits. This is what I get from being a Christian. If I'm not getting what I think I should get, then, then it's wrong and we get fed up. Listen, we're not here to get, we're here to serve. We're here to serve. What did, model, what did Jesus model to us? Jesus left behind all the benefits to give his all for you and I. Yes, we want to have the benefits because it helps us as disciples to fulfill our royal calling. John says, I write to you because you've overcome the evil one. How did Jesus overcome? Through laying down his life. Through servanthood. Our assignment is not to get. Our assignment is to give. And my power source is intimacy. Life needs power. And this is what Robin was talking about this morning. If we need power to survive, we need to find it in, an, in the intimacy of marriage. The intimacy, the closeness that is the word of God living in you. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. It's not just a book that you get words that are helpful in different situations. It's your life. And when you get the word of God and the Holy Spirit in one place, then there's power in every situation. Rich is just going to come and share a quick testimony from his dad that that demonstrate the power of the words and the Holy Spirit in every situation. He's just going to find something in his Bible. He's got it. Um, my, 
my dad, um, I don't know if most of you might know now, but my dad, who's 99, uh, last Thursday, he, he fell over in the garden and he's broken his femur, his thigh bone. And, uh, and so I, when I, got, I was out, at with a, out for coffee with something, when I got back, the phone went and my mum says, my dad is falling down in the garden. And, uh, and so we went around there and he'd been lying there for about an hour and a quarter trying to shout uh, for people. Uh, <laughs> in all of this, my dad still has a sense of humour and, um, and can smile about it. Anyway, so I, I spent, you know, from about one o'clock up to when I spent all the time till about seven or eight at night in hospital with my dad going through all the, the various things and whatever. And then on the Friday morning, he had an operation to, to pin his bone together. And, um, and so on that Friday morning, I was uh, thinking uh, and praying, and I, couldn't get a, I just couldn't get away from the question, why? <laughs> we have all been there, haven't we? Why? All right, why did this happen to my dad? Why, you know? And so I spent a bit of time being like the psalmist, you know, <laughs> why <laughs> and whatever. Anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, he's had an operation, he's fine, he's in hospital recovering. And uh, last night, Diane and I went to see him. And uh, we're talking about marriage, we talk about intimacy this morning. And, uh, and so I got uh, my Bible out and I read these words to my dad. I said... Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disease disaster that erupts at high noon, even though others succumb all around, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. And uh, uh, yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own, home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through to the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. <laughs> You'll walk unharmed among the lions and the snakes and kick your lions and serpents from the path. As I read these words to my dad, my dad closed his eyes and started worshipping as I was reading those words. He lay back with his eyes closed, as it were, to heaven. And he began to praise God as I was reading those words out. Do you know why he did that? Because he's married to Jesus. He knows what it is to be in his presence. He knows what it is to be able, in the darkest hours of life, to be able to praise his wonderful Lord and his wonderful Saviour. And as, I, as we walked out of that there, my dad, you come and talk about the potholes, Diane, I can't remember. I think you remember the other week me talking about the dream he had and seeing potholes ahead and asking God what that was about. And God told him to look behind and see where God had kept him and filled up all the potholes for him in the past and said, my potholes are full of promises. And um, I said to him, uh, 
Oh, it looks like you tripped in the pothole. Trip, he said. I fell in it, he said. <laughs> but he's still worshipping, still praising. And he said, I plan to be around for a long time. <laughs> yes. And I think, you see, that intimacy is so, so important for every one of us. And maybe this morning there may be one or two people who feel, I've lost that intimacy and I'm just so thankful that t- through that experience last night, God showed me again the importance of being in his presence, of being able to turn to him. And even when the darkest things, and har- things become hard and terrible, God is still with you. He's still with you. He's still with you. And he's with me because he is connected. He is married to his church. Yeah. Hallelujah. What is our power source? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. They're already in Richard's dad. You speak it over him, it comes alive because the Word of God lives in us. How? By the Holy Spirit. If your power source is materialism, you will be discipled by materialism. If your power source is achievement and money, it will disciple you into the God of mammon. If your power source is fear or regrets of the past and you focus on that, when the trouble comes, that fear, those regrets will disciple you to respond like the God, that God wants you to respond with a small g. Do you understand? If your power source is the word of God, if your power source is the Holy Spirit, then when you come across huge issues, like that's a huge issue for a 98-year-old man, when you come into that, your filter, your reaction is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and things are just different. You're able to lie in bed in a hospital, lift up your voice in praise. But he fell in a pothole. It's the heart, isn't it? It's the heart. Robin says, we're not going to be devoid of problems. If you think you shouldn't have any problems, then you need to join a different cult or something. The word of God is clear. In this world, you will have trouble. I have overcome. How do you overcome? By the word and the spirit. Jane is an overcomer. It's not, it's not, she's not going to overcome. She is an overcomer. Because the filter she thinks through is the word of God. And the Holy Spirit. If your filter, filters of hopelessness are overcome by the internal filters of the Word of God and the Spirit, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Filters of fear are overcome through the Word of God and the Spirit. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Filters of regret are overcome through the filters of His Word and the Spirit. We know all things work together for goods. You start thinking straight away. I'm not going to think through, oh no, oh no, what is going to happen? You start to think by the Holy Spirit through this. It looks bad, but all things work together for good. Filters of materialism overcome by the word of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You need money? Seek first the kingdom of God. You want to raise your kids right and bless them? Seek first the kingdom of God. It's the intimacy of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit changes us, changes us. My identity is royalty. 
My assignment is servanthood. My power source is intimacy. Jesus wants to marry you this morning. He wants to marry you. Becca's going to come and we'll play. We want to give opportunity for people to discover a fresh intimacy with Jesus. Last week, Eric preached wonderfully on normal church. Supernatural worship, supernatural boldness, supernatural message. We need the Holy Spirit. We, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's, we don't want to focus just on a one-off thing. I think we may have done that. It's big one event. The, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is continuous. And it's not just about things coming into us. It's about things coming out of us. There's, there's, more, there's more, but this energy of the Holy Spirit. If you're finding your thinking at situation, your thinking is not through the filter of the Word of God. It's not through the filter of the Holy Spirit. Then there's an issue with intimacy with Jesus. This morning, he wants to meet with people. And I, and I, uh, Becca's going to play beautiful, uh, the last song we've got. And then as we do this, and uh, the girls are going to come, the ladies, women, what do I say? Uh, are going to come my wife and her friend are going to come and uh, and we're going to sing. You can play Richard if you want to. I forgot about you. Is Jonathan still here? Yeah, Jonathan, you can come. Anybody else want to play? If you want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit this morning, then I just ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to, desc- I'm not going to prescribe what's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you what it's going to feel like. We're open to whatever God wants to do. He can look and sound different ways. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to come. But it's not just about a feeling. It's not just about a buzz. It's about, God, I need your Holy Spirit because I want to be intimate with Jesus. I need your word alive in me because I want to be intimate with Jesus. If that's what you want this morning, then just come and stand at the front. Uh, Robin's going to come and pray. Jane is going to come and pray. I'll be here to pray. We're going to receive from God this morning. Hallelujah. He's good. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts. And he's here this morning to do that. And we believe that. Father, as we worship to finish this morning, God, I just pray that your presence will be here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You are committed to our success. You want us to succeed. You want us to reign in life. And for that, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your words. We need intimacy with you. So God, we ask you to come this morning as we worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing. And if you want to come, come and just receive from heaven this morning.